Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Garrett Wilson. Wow! What a catch! Touchdown, Jets! That kid's amazing. Gibson on the return. Near side. I don't see any flags. Gibson inside the 30. Hits the Jets. And he's going to go. Jets win it. Touchdown, rookie Xavier Gibson. Game over. Allen has time. Intercepted. Sauce Gardner's got it. Allen tripped up. He could not get past Jermaine Johnson. Oh, look at the speed of Brees Hall. He's done it again. Brees Lightning, 62 yards for the touchdown. And he's sacked again by Quinn Williams. What a beast. Number 95 for the Jets. Listen. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeJet1. And the Jets are coming off their bye week, and boy, oh boy, is there chaos in the AFC East. Like, there hasn't been in a long time. The Jets, the Patriots, the Dolphins, the Bills are all relevant in the division for a variety of different reasons. And so I figured there's nobody better to talk about this with as we get ready for the Jets to return to action this Sunday against the New York Giants. Then our old friend Henry McKenna, who covers the AFC East for Fox Sports. Henry, welcome back to the show, man. Good to have you on again. Yeah, glad to be back. It's always good to check in with uh, Jets Nation, and and uh, we're almost at midseason, as, as crazy as that is. Really is insane. I can't believe we were at the bye week already, and there's been so much insanity going on in the AFC East. I want to go team by team with you. Let's talk about the New England Patriots first, because I think the expectation going into the season is that the Patriots had a dearth of talent. People didn't really believe in Mac Jones, and so everybody assumed the Patriots would finish last by a pretty comfortable margin. And right now they are in last, but they beat the Jets on the road. They just beat the Bills as well. So the Patriots, while they're last in the division right now, are still making an impact in the division. They did lose to the Dolphins, but who knows? Maybe they play spoiler with them later. What do you think? Is it possible that the Patriots sort of turn this around, get a little momentum, go on a bit of a run? Are they just going to be spoilers all year? Where does this factor in? And then, of course, we've got all the crazy news of Bill Belichick, all the rumors about him maybe being forced out at the end of the year. Then we find out from Ian Rappaport that, in fact, in the offseason, Belichick agreed to a deal that's going to keep him with the Patriots for even longer so that's confusing unpack everything with the Patriots for us yeah it's a tricky situation for New England uh I think they're just going to play spoiler this year they're not going to be relevant as the season progresses they dug themselves too deeply into a hole with that one in five record so even if they you know rip off a few wins I just don't really see them staying in the mix given the talent gap that they have. Um, but we'll talk about the Bills, one of the talented teams in the AFC and and one of the biggest underachievers in the AFC. So I do think the Patriots kind of expected the Dolphins and the, and the Bills to crumble in a way that, I don't know, maybe it'll happen. Um, 
but but I don't think that they have the the, the requisite talent to be a good team. And, and the thing about a Patriots team that you know they're going to keep trying to win. I think some teams at this point in the season they see that they're one in five. And they and they decide they're going to go for a high draft pick. You know, they see that Mac Jones is playing like dog doo doo, and they think, you know what, it's time to just go find Drake May or Caleb Williams or whatever top quarterback prospect they can pick in the top five spot. That's not how Bill Belichick operates. When he says he's trying to do what's best for the football team, as annoying as that is for someone like me that you know he uses it as a way to dismiss most of my questions he's actually being technically true right and and like we've not really seen the depth of that expression in seasons where they're trying to win because it's because it's obvious they're trying to win uh they want to win a super bowl in in years like the last few where they should probably have decided to tear it all down they decide to win anyway. Look back at the Cam Newton year when Tom Brady was gone. The Patriots still tried to win, even when they were mathematically eliminated, which was how they still, I think, got to like seven wins, right? E- even though they actually were at two and five at one point. Mm-hmm. So Belichick's going to try and do what's best for the team. He's probably not going to sell at the trade deadline. He he might even buy like a good like market-friendly acquisition um they're gonna try and win a few more games and um they're gonna try and do you know an aggressive rebuild next year uh the question is will the patriots have bill belichick in the seat of power so to speak when the offseason rolls like when the decision making actually happens this offseason you brought up the bills henry the bills just lost to the patriots and i joked with you before we started recording you're going to be covering a sean mcdermott press conference and i said i hope he's got more to say than just well that didn't go so great (laughs) because the bills were a disaster against the patriots and they were disaster the week before that against the giants too barely escaping at home against the team in the Giants that has a losing record. They lost and looked very flat against the Jaguars in London. They had that big win over the Dolphins, and at that point, everybody seemed to think the Bills were back on track after what had happened opening night, losing to the Jets quarterback by Zach Wilson after Aaron Rodgers had gone down. This is a confusing Bills team. They have a good defense, but there are times where that defense doesn't look so hot, nowhere near as good as the numbers would indicate. And the offense is so erratic. I think Greg Rosenthal from the Around the NFL podcast had a great way of putting the way the Bills offense operates. When Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs are playing their best, they're pretty much unstoppable. There's almost no team that can do anything because Diggs is unguardable. And Josh Allen, when he's hot, is able to make throws that no human being can make. And that includes Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is a better quarterback, but Josh Allen is basically an alien when it comes to what he can do athletically. But far too many times, they have these weak moments, and Josh Allen is not consistent, and he'll turn the ball over, or they'll have issues with the rest of the players on the offense, and they'll find a way to at least contain Diggs to a reasonable level, and when they do that, the Bills aren't able to do much. So this is a very confusing team, very up and down. They're a good team, but it feels like they should be better. Yeah, I I 
agree with basically everything you said. Um, the one thing that that is a little weird about this Bills team is the talent hasn't always been on the field. You look at their depth chart, and it looks like one of the most impressive rosters in the league. Uh, you look at their injury list and their IR list, that's where things get a little more complicated. They lost Tredavious White, their sharp cornerback, to an Achilles injury. They lost Matt Milano. I believe that was a knee injury. Um, and he's expected to miss most, if not all, of the season, but there's some chance that he returns. So that's those are two probably I, – I guess I would say – those are two of the three most important players on the defense. And then the, the third most important player is Von Miller, who's who's been on a snap count. You know, they don't have him playing more than 30 snaps. Against the Patriots, they had him play, I think, eight or nine. So they're not at full capacity from a personnel standpoint. And I think that's really holding them back because the way that Sean McDermott calls defenses is it's like a pretty straightforward game plan. It's not like Belichick where there's like a crazy, you know, week to week shift and you 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 expect something different and you expect the unexpected. No, Sean McDermott's gonna run a lot of the same stuff every week. He'll he'll run some disguises within, you know, that, but it's nothing special in my opinion. It's mostly just, hey, you guys are the players, you guys are talented. Why don't you go out there and beat the other team? Right. And so I think that's super empowering for players, but I also think when the players aren't that good, uh, when when the defense gets decimated by injuries, then all of a sudden you start to see that the talent can't really, like that the scheme is set up to highlight talent, but that the talent isn't there to be highlighted. And then you have a problem. Um, on the offensive side of the ball, it is a, a sort of top to bottom I would almost say like mystery as to why this unit can't get it together. Um, and I think everybody has to take some blame. The offensive line isn't incredible. The quarterback, Josh Allen, I mean, Jets saw the worst game out of him. And I think since then he's played really well. Um, but you do occasionally see, you know, a few boneheaded throws creep in. For the most part, I think he's playing really good football and actually smart football, even when, you know, the, the interceptions creep in or whatever. Um, but I think he's in a weird system with, with, a, with a weird play caller in Ken Dorsey, and it's not properly highlighting the strengths of the skill players that they have who are actually pretty good. Like Dalton Kincaid has played, he's gotten the second most snaps behind Dalton Dawson Knox. Kincaid is, is I think starting to pretty quickly prove he's the better player. Um, so it's a matter of switching that depth chart up and making sure that Kincaid is, is tight end one and Knox is tight end two. Right. Similarly, like James Cook is, is really a impressive an explosive weapon, both as a pass catcher and a, and a runner. So it's about making sure that he gets, you know, 20 to 25 touches per game. Um, these are the things that the Bills aren't doing yet, and it, they're suffering. And, and so they become over-reliant on Stefan Diggs, as you were saying. And it's really not as simple as if Diggs is, and Allen are hot, it 
it changes, you know, the game because like the Patriots did this weekend, teams are just going to focus on, you know, ruining Stefan Diggs's day. And then when they can do that, it becomes more complicated for the offense. And that's, that's why I bring up James Cook and Dalton Kincaid. So it's a tough situation. I, I don't envy, you know, what the bills have to figure out. I mean, the, the true situation is, which I think bills fans have been calling for, for months, maybe years. And I think jets fans will, will encounter the same, you know, problem in the, in the coming months in, in year or so. It's a wide receiver too. I think in today's NFL, the really good offenses have have a one A and one B rather than just a one and a two. And Gabe Davis is more like a three. So the, the I think the Bills, if they really want, you know, a quick fix, it would be to go out and trade for Jerry Judy or something like that, Cortland Sutton. Um, but I don't think that they're going to do that because Brandon Bean has been pretty clear that financially and from a draft asset standpoint, he's trying to get everything back in order after kind of going all out last year and ruining the cap situation this year. So delicate situation, like I said, top to bottom, offensive line to general manager. They don't have a clear path, I think, to fix this. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Henry, let's talk about the Dolphins who are in first place right now. And they are a very interesting team for a different reason than the Bills and the Patriots. And that is because I think everybody acknowledges the Dolphins' defense has a deficiency. They've got issues there. But the offense is supposed to be almost a historically good offense. They dropped 70 points on a admittedly very bad Denver Broncos defense. And obviously Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell have just been firing on all cylinders. We've also seen Tua Tugvaloa take a huge step forward, and he's a legitimate MVP candidate right now. But one thing that I noticed is that when you take a look at the Dolphins' offensive points production, when they've played teams in the top 15 in defensive EPA, that would be the Patriots, the Bills, and the Philadelphia Eagles, they're averaging 18 points a game on offense. Against the other four teams that are outside the top 15 in defensive EPA, they're averaging 45 points a game. Now, it is a little bit skewed because of those 70 points against Denver, but still, there's a huge difference here. So you have to wonder if part of Miami's offensive success, not all of it, but part of it is because they've gone up against really bad defenses for more than half the season so far. I'm curious to see what happens the rest of the year as they start to play tougher teams because, Henry, they have one of the more difficult strength of schedules the rest of the way. They got the easy games in the early part of the schedule, and now they're getting the more difficult games the second half of the schedule, as we'll talk about in a little bit. That appears to be, on paper at least, the reverse of what we saw with the New York Jets, who had a very difficult strength of schedule early, and now the schedule, at least in theory, eases up a little bit. So unpack the Dolphins for me a little bit. As I said, Patriots very interesting, the Bills very interesting, and the Dolphins also very interesting, but all three for very different reasons. Yeah, the the Dolphins, we saw it last year where they, they can be... I guess, figured out. Um, now, I think a part of last year's sort of like, I don't want to, I'm going to, I'm going to have to use the word fraud here, but um, it was sort of this development of Miami coming off looking 
fraudulent in their, you know, early run of the season. And I think it was related not just to scheme and timing of the of the passing offense, which can be easily disrupted by good defenses. And that's that's kind of the underlying conversation here again in 2023. But uh, but also I think it's related to, you know, to his brain health and, and him dealing with concussions. So um, can he stay healthy? Uh, those are the, the two big questions that seemed to revolve around the offensive efficiency declining last year. So this year it's a similar question, you know, after these first few games, the offense looked has looked like good, but not amazing against elite defenses, which like, that's kind of what you would expect in my opinion. Um, that's just logic, right? You, you can be an elite defense offense, a historic offense, but you're still going to have, you know, come up against, some challenges when you play an elite defense. I think what's exacerbating their issues in primetime games or, or games against playoff opponents, however you want to categorize these appearances, which the Patriots are not, I guess. So we'll just, we'll go back to that elite defense tag um, is, is how the Dolphins defense is playing it. And you mentioned it um, at sort of the beginning of your, your comments on them. It's the it's that the Dolphins defense under Vic Fangio, they're not showing the progress that they need to show. Because speaking of teams that are pretty talented, the Dolphins are uh, speaking of teams that are pretty injured. The Dolphins are uh, so they have to manage those two things. The fact that their cornerback room started with Jalen Ramsey, Xavier Howard and potentially Nick Needham, you know, three really good players you know, to cover those three cornerback positions. None of those guys played on Sunday. Um, and then Cam Smith, the rookie, a second round pick, he didn't play. And, and it was not for injuries. Those other guys were missing because they were injured. Cam Smith, you know, second round pick was not used because of performance problems. He's He's not playing at the level that they need him to play. And... So that left Cater Kohu and Eli Apple, who they added late, late in the offseason after Jalen Ramsey suffered his uh, injury. Those two guys started, and I think it was Perry Nickerson was the slot. That's a that's a tough group of corners <laughs> to be to be building a defense around. Uh, and so that's why guys like Jalen Phillips and Bradley Chubb, while they're generating pressures, are not generating sacks because as much as the defensive line is dominant with Christian Wilkins is the other name I should acknowledge that the cornerbacks are not doing their end of the, the bargain and quarterbacks can easily complete passes against this secondary. So, you know, I think it's a matter of shoring up that secondary with healthier players so that this defense can play better. And then that has a cascading effect on the offense, which is going to have better field position, which is going to have a uh, more secure lead, or at least not have to play from behind. Um, it's, I think, I think that's really what we need to see as this cornerback group get healthy before panicking. But if when those three guys are back on the field, probably in the next week or two or three, um, if things don't get better, that's when I think I'll start to worry about the Dolphins being 
fraudulent again. Henry, when Aaron Rodgers went down on the opening Monday night of the season after four plays, many people and many Jets fans, too, believed that that was going to be the end of the Jets season. Zach Wilson was the quarterback again, and there's just no way this team was going to be able to do anything. It was going to be a repeat of last year. But a funny thing has happened. The Jets are 3-3, three and three, which a lot of people, myself included, have predicted before the season when they thought Aaron Rodgers was going to be the quarterback. I had thought the Jets would lose to Philly and beat New England, but I still had them being 3-3 three and three with Aaron Rodgers. Now, you could, of course, make the argument that the Jets would be 4-2 and two or 5-1 and one with Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, we can't know that for sure. But still, the Jets are in a much better spot than everybody would have thought after what happened in that opening Monday night game, a game that they found a way to win regardless of the Rodgers injury, by the way. Zach Wilson, by no means, has become a franchise quarterback or anything like that. But Henry, going into this season, it was understood that he wasn't supposed to play. He was supposed to redshirt behind Aaron Rodgers. They were going to completely rebuild him from scratch under this new coaching staff with Nathaniel Hackett and, of course, the help of Aaron Rodgers. So him having to come in there is a completely unexpected result, although many of us, myself included, argued the Jets should have signed a veteran backup to be in this spot in case Rodgers went down. That way, Wilson wouldn't be shoved into this role before he was ready. But considering all that, Wilson has played, as far as I'm concerned, up to the level of one of those veteran backups they could have gotten, somebody like a Brissett a Gardner Minshew, Teddy Bridgewater, somebody along those lines, Ryan Fitzpatrick back in the day, a low-end starter, solid backup. And that, to me, is more than anybody would have had any right to expect, considering the way it all ended for Zach Wilson last season. So I think Wilson being able to play at that level has been a big boost. He's looked more confident. His footwork has been better. He's largely been avoiding the big mistakes. These are all improvements from last year. Again, Nobody's claiming he's a pro bowler or even an average or above average level starter, but the fact that he's at least playing somewhat competently compared to last year helps a lot. But also the rest of this team, Brees Hall has come back and not missed a beat after that major injury last year. He's been outstanding. Defense has been terrific. And the key here to me is that the Jets have gotten much better safety play and way better linebacker play than anybody expected because everybody looked at the Jet defense and said, well, the linebackers and the safeties are going to be a big weakness. Hasn't been that way. C.J. Mosley and Quincy Williams have both played at a Pro Bowl and possibly even all-pro caliber level. And the safeties have been pretty solid. Tony Adams has been pretty good in his second year after coming in as an undrafted free agent out of Illinois last year. And Jordan Whitehead, his tackling's still not the best, but certainly an improvement over last year, especially for what he did in that Bills game. You could make a strong case that he was one of the most valuable players in that game on either side of the ball for the way that he played three interceptions against Josh Allen. So talk to me about where you think the Jets sit right now. It's crazy because, as I said, once Rodgers went down, I think everybody felt like the season was over. But here they are, right in the thick of things. They have a victory over the Bills. They beat the Eagles. They almost beat the Chiefs. They've still got two games left against the Dolphins, another one against the Bills, another one against the Patriots. And they've got on paper easier matchups for the rest of the way, for the most part, than they had the early part of the year. So how do you think they stack up with the rest of the AFC East? What are your thoughts on what's transpired the first six weeks with the Jets? And where do you think this is going for them the rest of the way? They, they've been a really big surprise to me. I didn't expect them to have three wins at this point. Um, and as I look ahead at their schedule, I have a hard time 
being pessimistic about them. You know, the Jets, the I think you kind of rattled off this the schedule, but the Giants are a beatable opponent. The Raiders are a beatable opponent. The Falcons are a beatable opponent. The Texans are a beatable opponent. The Commanders are a beatable opponent. The Patriots are a beatable opponent. Um, and, you know, as they proved against the Bills and the Eagles, they're sort of a plucky team that can upset teams that they're that aren't even I would say like expected to be beatable opponents so the real question here is can the Jets be a consistent team and it's not just about punching above their weight class because we've seen that they can do it it's about beating their weight class it's about beating this I mean that's that's how you go you make the playoffs as a as a middle class team is you beat other middle class teams and uh with Zach Wilson at quarterback I didn't think that was possible just given how inconsistent he is the defense would have to be all world and I know that they basically are but it's just really hard in the NFL to be a consistent middle class beating team with with a erratic quarterback um you just don't see defenses carry quarterbacks very often uh so especially if they're erratic like like a game manager you see it happen you know Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers when they went to the Super Bowl that was a good example you know Garoppolo was a it was a game manager but the the 49ers defense was really what got them there uh so if Zach Wilson continues to do like his best Jimmy Garoppolo impression Mm -hmm which is kind of what we've seen these last few games, mm-hmm. um, then that's that's a team that could actually fight to make the playoffs, especially with the Bills looking sort of like wheels are starting to fall off. Now, that could change this week against the Bucs on Thursday night. We could see the Bills go, you know, put up 50 points. That's how good they are. But... um. And the, and the Dolphins, you know, with their potential, like we were saying, with their potential to slow down a little bit here. So the question is, you know, does does Zach Wilson play like Jimmy Garoppolo or does he start to try and play like, you know, like Zach Wilson? Like, does he try and do his Patrick Mahomes impression and play out of control, play beyond his talent, play beyond his skills, play beyond his decision making abilities and give up the football. Um, and we've seen a good run from him. And and I think it really comes down to whether that he can keep that up. And one thing that would help in my opinion is, is a more talented receiver too. It's just a tough investment for New York because they've really built this team for Aaron Rodgers, And I think like financially, and they've sort of maxed out, what, I mean, they can always spend more money, but it, it wouldn't be smart to. So it's like, I don't know, would they go out and get, you know, we talked about Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. Would they go out and get a guy like that, give up some draft assets to really give Zach Wilson a shot at helping this team make the playoffs? Because a guy like Cortland Sutton or even Jerry Judy, but I like, I just really like Sutton's proven possession abilities. Um, whereas like Judy's got a little more upside that that could really support, you know, Zach to make a run, but then it's like, okay, well, if Zach's only going to play 
you know, I don't know, 10 more games for this franchise. Um, and you went out and spent a big draft pick on getting, you know, a, a top tier receiver. Then you have to wonder, it's like, okay, well, Aaron Rodgers will come back. And then like, is Aaron Rodgers just going to want to play with Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb? And then you have to figure out what to do with that good receiver that you got. Um, just like you had to figure out what to do with McCole Hardman, who was like probably a guy that Joe Doug- Douglas liked, but not a guy that Aaron Rodgers liked. And so they had to get rid of him. Um, it's more complicated than that, but you get the point is like when Aaron Rodgers comes back into the mix, he's going to want the team back in the way that he had, he left it and not in the way that it was sort of like additionally built up for Wilson. So that kind of puts them in a holding, holding pattern. And like, we'll see over the next few games, how consistent this Jets team can be. I genuinely don't know what to expect. I, I am sort of the most pessimistic Zach Wilson person out there. I feel like, and so I'm, I'm never really believing in him, uh, but certainly that he is trending the right way. And this schedule is unlike the rest of the AFC East, it looks favorable. So, you know, it, it, it's certainly a good situation for him to prove, you know, people like me and, and his other doubters wrong. Henry, I like the way you put it with Zach Wilson that he's doing his best Jimmy Garoppolo impression. If he can keep that up, and we've said this all throughout the season so far, he doesn't have to be a top-flight quarterback, doesn't have to be even an average-caliber starter. If he can just be that low-level starter, solid backup caliber player for this year, forget about what you may think he could become later. Maybe he can be better than that down the line for this year. If he can go from what he was last year to what I just described, and like you said, manage the game carefully, then I think the Jets have a real chance to be in that playoff mix and potentially break this playoff drought. I also would like to add, as far as the wide receivers go real quickly, that I think Hunter Renfro would be an interesting name the Jets should look at. Fell out of favor there with the Raiders, not loved by Josh McDaniels. McDaniels brought in his own guy in Jacoby Myers. Renfro's a guy with a lot of experience, would fit in the system because he's a quality route runner. He would certainly give them a huge upgrade over Randall Cobb, and he has no guaranteed money left after this year. The Jets could probably get him for next to nothing, might even be able to get him for a Carl Lawson swap, considering that we've been hearing that the Raiders are looking for pass rush help. So I think Renfro might be a pretty decent answer to the question of what the Jets could do at wide receiver, because either it works out and they find a way to keep him for next year, they restructure his 2024 number, or it doesn't work out, they let him go, and that's the end of it. But he can't possibly be worse than Randall Cobb, and he would cost pretty much nothing to get. I like that. It's a good solution. It's certainly elegant in in the contract situation. So it would be a question of whether they would be willing to give up some money next year, basically, I think, to fit him under the cap. I'd have to look at the numbers, but I imagine he wouldn't fit right away under... They'd have to do some restructuring, Mm -hmm. uh, which means stealing some money from next year basically but it i mean i like it honestly get a possession guy uh a check down option another sort of like person that can alleviate a little bit of the attention from garrett wilson um yeah i think it makes sense we'll see what happens as the trade deadline gets closer and closer we are about a week away the trade deadline on Halloween and so we'll keep our eyes and ears open for what happens with the Jets and everyone else 
And we'll keep our eyes and ears open for what's going on in the AFC East with our friend Henry McKenna, who covers the AFC East for Fox Sports. Henry, thank you so much for coming back on the show. Really appreciate it. For those that want to check out your work, what are they going to see when they go to foxsports.com? And how can they follow you on social media? Yeah, give me a follow on Twitter. Henry C. McKenna should pop up um, as verified. And then... I'm on Fox Sports. Uh, you can follow follow me on the app, um, or you can just go to foxsports.com and and look for you know any Jets content that you may want, or or any content about the AFC East. Um, this week, I'll be talking about exactly what we just talked about, which is you know what can we expect from these Jets, and and can they sort of prove that they're for real in this favorable stretch? So um, more in depth conversation and thoughts and analysis of you know where where do the jets go from three and three and can they can they really make things complicated in in this sort of weird afc east after week seven make sure you check out everything henry's doing at foxsports.com check out everything we're doing at playlikeajet.com and the play like a jet youtube channel youtube.com slash play like a jet some awesome all 22 breakdowns up there so subscribe if you haven't already and watch all those videos check out our store at tpublic.com that's tee you can get yourself a play like a jet logo shirt caps mugs hoodies whatever you want it's all there tpublic.com that's tee and make sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on itunes if you haven't done that already easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing doesn't take you much time doesn't cost you any money but it goes a long way to help us out so if you could go ahead and do that for us we'd be quite grateful and for the latest and greatest in new york jets podcasts and content you know where to go that's play like a jet digital and play like a jet.com 